0: So it's such a privilege this morning just to, to share God's word, um, and I'm just going to share something that's, just, something that's just been brewing in my heart, and it's something that, or well, it's a scripture that has helped me a lot in the last um, couple of, i will say three years. So during the week, I have a privilege, um, I'm an operations manager at the coal terminal. Um, in some industries, you might call it like a production manager, but the point is my responsibility is to make sure that targets are achieved. That's ultimately my responsibility. And if you look at just the trend, and if you look at just what, what a production manager is supposed to do, you know, you manage, once again, production, you manage people, you manage resources, so there's a lot of pressure. And if you look at a lot of industries, um, for you to actually thrive as a production manager, you actually need to rule with an iron fist. Otherwise, you know, people are going to walk all over you, it's, you know, things are just not going to get done. And uh, when I got this privilege to, to actually be, be an operations manager, one of the things I told myself was, I don't want to lead of an iron fist. I actually want to lead from a kingdom point of view. You know, that's, that's something that I told myself, I want to lead from a kingdom point of view. And I must say, it has not always been easy. Um, there's been moments where I just want to take kingdom, put it on the side, crank up my harshness. Crank up boss attitude and just lead from that, because sometimes you know it's, it's not as easy as it's supposed to be. But the scripture that I'm going to share this morning, you know, every time things are tough, every time I feel like you know shoving once again, kingdom and being a boss or worldly boss, I remember the scripture that reminds me how I'm supposed to act in the workplace. The scripture is Matthew 5:13 to 16. It says, "You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor?" Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for, for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Such a beautiful scripture we're reading this morning. I mean, right off the bat, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. So as you read the scripture, it's actually saying you are a solution to a particular problem. But then the question is, what is the problem? There's no point telling people or giving people solutions when you don't know what the problem is. And just to emphasize the importance of the scripture, every time Jesus tries to teach a principle, and he actually uses two or more examples to try and and explain that particular principle, it shows that he wants to emphasize a principle that we need to catch. Because if we catch that principle, it makes this journey that we have as, as Christians much easier. So what is the problem? So if we go to Genesis 6, verse 5 to 6, and then I'll jump to 11 to 12, it says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was constantly and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry that he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. I mean, can you imagine? It broke God's heart. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So we see from the scripture, earth was full of corruption. I mean, what is, what is, what is corruption? Corruption is just a form of dishonesty. There was a lot of violence. What is violence? Violence is when we, we, we forcefully harm people, and the intent of it obviously is to harm or better yet ultimately to kill. And we see how at this point in time, when we read Genesis 6, the standard of life was just ultimately corruption, violence. That was ultimately the standard of life. And as we read the scripture, it says it broke his heart. And I, and I like to believe in some seasons in our lives we actually sang the song, you know, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Or we've prayed, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Well, scripture, well Genesis 6 actually tells us what breaks God's heart. Evil, corruption, violence. That's what breaks God's heart. So what did God do? The beauty about Genesis 6 is even though there's darkness, even though there's, there's, there's violence, even though there's corruption, there's always good people on this earth that are righteous. There's always good people that are living the way they're supposed to live. So if you continue reading in Genesis 6, it talks about how there was Noah and his family. And the Bible says Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless and he walked faithfully with God. God goes to Noah and says, Noah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end this earth. So you need to build a boat. You and your family needs to be in that boat and a couple of animals that he was told to do. So Noah does that, faithfully builds a boat. A couple of days later, a storm comes in, a flood comes in, and the entire earth is wiped out except Noah, his family, and the animals that were inside the boat. Then if you carry on reading in Genesis 8, when uh, the floods or the waters have subsided, everything was fine, and Noah and the family were safe, and they were, you know, back on earth again. uh, God says, I will never wipe out the earth like that again. Now, at that point in time, the question I would ask is, did evil die out then? Unfortunately not. We still see evil till this day. So the point I'm trying to make is, what is the problem? The problem, I'll, I'll summarize everything into one word, and that's darkness. So everything that is evil, everything that is corrupt, Everything that is full of sin, everything constitutes to this one word called darkness. For as long as there is darkness in this world, God's heart constantly breaks. That's what we see, and that was that is the problem that we see this morning. And then, what was God's solution? What did God do to ensure that darkness um, doesn't succeed in this world? Well, there's three things I want to share this morning. And number one is, God actually gives us a principle. A principle that if we hold on to, we will never forget. And what is, a, what is a principle? A principle is basically a foundational truth. That's what a principle is. So for example, I'm not uh, a science person, so I might mess up this analogy. But if you look at gra- uh, the principle of gravity, the reality is if you find yourself in a place where there's gravity, if you throw anything in the air that is full of weight, what goes up will come down. That is the principle of gravity. So the reality is if you want to design something and you want that particular thing to be suspended in the air, if you do not take the principle of gravity into effect, whatever you're trying to do or whatever you're trying to design will not work. That's ultimately what a principle is. You know, another principle that we've heard so many times, and Brent shares this a lot, he says, every problem is a gospel problem. So, if every problem is a gospel problem, then every solution is a gospel solution. That is a fundamental principle. So, what is a principle that God has shown us in terms of addressing um, light? We see in Genesis 1. Genesis 1 says the earth was formless, the earth was dark, the earth was empty. And what were the next words that God said? Let there be light. The principle that we need to catch this morning or the principle that we need to understand is the permanent solution for darkness is light. That is the principle. The permanent solution for darkness is light. When we read John 1, verse 1 to 5, it says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And I love that. Darkness can never extinguish it. So the permanent solution, church, this morning for darkness is light. So if you find yourself in a situation where, we've, once again, we've summarized what darkness is. If you find yourself where there's darkness, you find yourself, and you don't know what to do. The solution is not year-end strategies. The solution is not fancy, catchy phrase works. The solution is light. And that is the principle I want. That's the first thing that God shows us. The permanent solution for light, sorry, the permanent solution for darkness is light. And the second thing that God shows us We see in Ephesians 2, 2 to 5, it says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires And inclinations of our sinful natures. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. And the second thing that we see churches: if the if permanent solution for darkness is light, then who is this light? And that light, this morning, church, is Jesus Christ. So all of us used to live under darkness, and we deserved death. We deserved the wrath of God, just like what we read in Genesis 6. That's what we deserved, because we were part of darkness. However, to be rescued from darkness, to be rescued from evil, to be rescued from sin, God gave us Jesus Christ, the light, while we We're still sinners. Why? Because the permanent solution for darkness is light. Light is the salvation we receive from Jesus Christ, and when we choose to follow Jesus Christ, we become children of the light. We are rescued from darkness. In John 8, verse 12, it says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have light that leads to life. If you follow me, you will have life that leads to light. I mean, we've seen this with Peter. Jesus goes to Peter, follow me. Peter follows Jesus. A couple of months, a couple of years later, what do we see? Jesus, because, sorry, Peter, because he had Jesus as the light in him, was able to preach that powerful sermon, and we see 3,000 people repent. That's what we see. Another example, we see Matthew. Um, if you're reading, the, I think it was the Gospel of Luke, where we see Matthew is sitting in his text collector booth, probably collecting text. That's what he was doing. Jesus comes across him, looks at Matthew. He says, Matthew, follow me. The Bible says Matthew drops everything, follows Jesus. Today, what do we have? We have the privilege to read the gospel of Matthew. Why? Because he followed the light. What about Paul? I love Paul's story. Paul was on his way to arrest Christians. He was on his way to inflict violence. He was basically an agent of darkness at that point in time. He was going to arrest Christians. The light of Jesus strikes him down. And I love how the Bible says, or Jesus says uh, when he was talking to Paul, he says, now get up. So before he met the light of Jesus, he was on his way to persecute Christians, goes down. Now he gets up as a child of light. When we choose to follow Jesus, when we choose his light, it changes us from the inside. And I love Matthew 13, um, 44 to 46. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. What, 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 what is the scripture ultimately saying? When you find the light of Jesus Christ, when you find salvation in Jesus Christ... That change is so radical in our lives that everything else that we think has value actually doesn't own, or doesn't actually have any value because you have found the only thing that matters, and that is the light of Jesus Christ, which leads to life. So that's the second thing that we see, where God gives us this beautiful principle that the solution for darkness is light. And we see that that light is Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ gives us the salvation we need for us to have eternal life. And the third solution to the problem, which is darkness, is you, which is the same scripture that we read. The third solution is you. What do I mean by that? If you carry on reading the Gospel of John, There comes a point where Jesus tells his disciples, he actually repeats and he says, I am the light of he says, as long as I'm still in the world, you know, I am the light of the world. What was he actually saying? He was saying, For these three years that I'm here, I'm the light of the world. There's so much that I'm doing, but there's gonna come a point where I am not going to be on this earth. And that ministry or that light that I have came to introduce onto this earth, you need to carry it out. So which brings us to the third solution. You and I are called to carry this light. But in the scripture that we read, initially it said, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Can we just talk a little bit about salt. What's the point of salt? What is the point of salt? You know, salt is used for preservation. Salt is used as, as, as a flavor um, enhancement. But in terms of preservation, and I might be getting this if you studied biology, so I might get this a bit wrong. Please do forgive me for that. But ultimately, just to summarize the point of how salt works, if you look at like a, a, a living organism, you, you have water in you. And then what happens is, if there's no circulation of blood, or if there's, if there's not enough circulation, that water that's in you um, is an opportunity for like micro, those little hojos that to grow inside of you. And when those hojos grow... That's when rot comes in. Like I said, I'm just gonna summarize this biology as best as I can. But the point is that water is what causes rot in a body. What salt does is it actually slows down that process. That is why if you're watching if you like watching Egyptian stuff, you see how there's like mummies that, you know, have died thousands of years ago, but they still look like, you know, they still look like people. That's because when you use salt as a preservation, it actually slows down that rot functionality. And then when the Bible says you are the salt of the earth, when we have Jesus in us, when we share the gospel, when we live out the way we're supposed to live out, we are able to uh, find ourselves in places where, 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 where people are full of darkness, where the darkness leads to rot, where the darkness leads to decay. Because you have Jesus in you, you have the agent in you to help slow down and stop that rot. That is the role that you play as the salt of the earth. And I think what I like about that is, as long as a person is, a person is breathing, breathing, as long as a person is alive, and as long as you have Jesus Christ in you, you have the authority, you have the power to actually help that person obviously turn to Jesus. And then if you look at light, when the Bible says, you are the light of the world, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, so all of us who have, who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. All of us who, had, who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. What does, what does that mean? So if you read Exodus, I think it was Exodus 34 it will tell you how when, when Moses was in the presence of God, there would be moments where when he was face-to-face with God, he would lift his veil. But then what would happen is, because he was in the presence of God, because he was, he was you know, within the glory of God, I don't know what that looks like, but ultimately what the Bible says is, when he left the presence of God and he went to address the Israelites, they would say what would happen is the Bible says his face would be shining because he was in the presence of God. He obviously was in the presence of God's glory. What's the point of this um, scripture? When we have received Christ, when Christ is our Lord and Savior, when, when we have Christ who is the light in us, when the Bible says you are the light of the world, yes, you are. You are the light of the world, but you are not the source of light, and that's something we need to keep in the back of our mind. We are the light of the world, but the source of the light is Jesus Christ. So what we're doing uh, basically is we're actually just seeing the, the, the glory that, that, that Jesus is, and we actually reflect that in the different areas that we find ourselves. We are the light of the earth, but we are not the source of the light. The source of the light is Jesus Christ, and we just have this beautiful privilege where we reflect the source of the light, which is Jesus Christ, and just to explain, in terms of the, the point of reflection, um, if you think about how, how we receive light from the moon, I mean, if you look at the moon, you might think the moon actually is emitting light, but the moon does not emit light. What's happening is you're seeing a reflection of the sun. That's what it is. The sun is ultimately what's reflecting, and then the moon reflects that same light. So similarly, if you, look, if you use that same example, we are only reflecting the light of Jesus. So what is the problem? darkness. Darkness breaks God's heart. Darkness is evil. Darkness is corrupt. What was the solution? God gives us this beautiful principle that light is the only thing that extinguishes darkness. But also, that's not where the story ends. We have been given this beautiful privilege to actually allow Christ in our hearts, and where we find ourselves or where God has placed us we have the privilege to be the salt in that area. We have the privilege to be the light in that particular area. So then practically, how do, you, how do you walk this out? What, what does this look like practically? I mean, this is the part where I say, read your Bible, pray every day, allow the Holy Spirit to guide you, and that is true. And just, I'm just going to give you two practical handles this morning. But these two practical handles are based on the foundation that you are reading the Word of God, that you are praying every day, and that you are living a life that is Holy Spirit-led, as we had just spoken about as we came out of the deeper series. The first practical handle in terms of us just being the salt of the earth, us just being the light of the world, is number one is we need to own up to the identity we have in Christ as the light. We need to own up to the identity we have in Christ. I remember a uh, couple of years back um, when my grandmother passed away, um, we went to, to the morgue and then we had to, to, to go collect um, my grandmother's casket. And I remember we are sitting there, it was like four in the morning, I don't know how it's done in KZN, but in Limpopo what normally happens is we bury people like early in the morning. So we went to the morgue, it's like four in the morning, you are sitting there, so what they do is they call out your surname. They bring out the casket and they call out your surname and they called out a surname. So my dad stands up, takes a step. He looks back at me and says, hey, let's go. Now when he did that, like I looked at him. Then I looked left. And I looked right. And I realized, oh, wait a minute. I'm the only adult in this room. And then I realized, flip, I need to step up and actually go. But the point I'm trying to make is what happens is when it comes to identity, Sometimes a situation arises and we look to the left, we look to the right to find, maybe excuse the slang, to find an adultier adult that is more qualified for the situation, not realizing you are the qualified adult for that particular situation. So, the first practical handle, church, is when we find us, once again, you might be in the workplace, you might be in the schools, you might be owning a business. When a situation arises where as, 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 as a child of God, where you're supposed to be the salt of the earth, where you're supposed to be the light of the world, own up to the identity that you have in Christ, that you are called to actually, um, you are called in that, in that area for a reason. And the reason why I'm very, I'd say, I re, I, I, I'd say this point is where I think most of us get it wrong, is when we don't own up to identity, we cow away. When we're supposed to step up, when we're supposed to be the light in that particular situation, we actually cower away. And just the first practical handle, church, is own up to the identity that you have in Christ. And the number two practical handle is value people that are directly in front of you. Value people that are directly in front of you. Now, I have nothing against conferences I have nothing against um, our teachers. But sometimes what happens is we, we develop this lifestyle where we save our best for conferences. We save our best for, for outreaches. You know, we, 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 we pray up. We, we're super ready for this conference. We're super ready for this outreach. And then we go out to the nations. We go out to the different communities. And then we are just like an agent. We're like, we're like a super light, if there's such a word. But then we come back. And then we kick the dog we swear the person that's next to us, we're just horrible in our community. And I think that's not what we're called to do. We are called to value people that are directly in front of us. I remember a couple of years back, we were driving to um, hold in a wall between myself, Brent, Quinton, and, and Errol, and we we're listening to a book. And uh, there was this beautiful example that was given. Uh, we spoke about how there's like a, th- a lot of starfish that was washed on shore. Um, and this little boy decided, hey, I want to do something about it, and I'm going to just take whatever I find and just throw them back into the ocean. But there's a lot of starfish. And then people come to the beach. They see this kid just, you know, grabbing starfish, throwing them into the sea. They look at him. They laugh at him. They make fun of him. They say, what are you doing? You're not going to make a difference. And the kid takes a starfish, throws it into the water and says, but I've made a difference for that one. You know, church, what happens is, I I get it. There's a lot of people in this world. There's there's so much to do. And I think sometimes we we get overwhelmed. We don't know what to do. But the practical handle I want to leave you with this morning is value the people that are directly in front of you because those are the people that God has placed in your life for you to be um, a change agent in them. Matthew 25, 34 to 40 says, Then this righteous one will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the one of the least of this, of this, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Church, let's own up to the identity we have in Christ. We are called to be the salt of the earth. We are called to be the light of the world. And I don't have to remind us this morning that you could read the news, you could whatever whatever outlet you, you use to get um, information. There's still a lot of darkness out there. And like I said earlier on, us closing our eyes won't solve the problem. Us going on an annual retreat strategy won't solve the problem. Us getting the best minds in the world to try and give us the best solution won't solve the problem. What will solve the darkness problem in this good earth is light. And that light is Jesus Christ. And that light is in you. And we, church, have the responsibility to let that light shine. We have the responsibility to let that light shine shine. And then just in closing, I um, just want to share this, this example that really changed the way I just saw the scripture. Um, a couple of years back, there was like this mass shooting in, in one of this church, um, and then I think nine people passed away in this church. Um, and what happened was during the, the court proceedings, I mean, you would expect, you know, there was, there was violence, there was darkness, obviously, because there were killings and you'd expect in a court case or you'd expect a lot of bitterness you'd expect people to just seek revenge and it was interesting how it was like the seven minute clip I was actually watching it was interesting how every family member that spoke said hey, i forgive you I said i forgive you i forgive you and then the one that caught my attention i'd love to read for you this morning was the last lady she said thank you judge for not allowing hate to win For me, I am a work in progress, and I acknowledge that I am very angry. But I was taught that our family is built on love. We have no room for hate, so we have to forgive. So we refuse to let hate win. Beautiful example of darkness in the city, and in that situation, it's easy to say, Let darkness overcome darkness. But these people who had Jesus in their hearts, these people who had the light of the world, were like, "Uh uh-uh, we are not going to let hate win. We are called to be the light of this earth. And church, I pray this morning that we catch that principle, just a simple principle. Any, Any darkness that you might have in your life, any darkness that you might see in the workplace, any darkness in your community, any darkness in the school, any darkness that is there, the light is the only solution to destroy that darkness. Amen? Would we please stand? And as we stand this morning, i just love to pray for us because church, as much as there's, there's darkness that we want to address on the outside, there's the first darkness we need to address and that's the darkness on the inside. And that is the darkness of sin. That is the darkness of unrepentance. And I just love to pray for us this morning that if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never repented, it's a great opportunity this morning to actually lift up your hand and say, Christ, I am a sinner. But I know that the Bible says that for me to be saved, I need to call on your name. I need to trust in the finished works you've done on the cross. I need to trust and believe that you died on the cross for me. And, And as I do that, I will have light, and that light is you, our heavenly Lord Jesus. So I'd love to lead, lead us in a prayer, and will you please close, close our eyes? Father, I come before you this morning, and I say thank you just for your word this morning. Such a simple word this morning, but massive impact into our different lives. And Father, thank you that no matter what the problem is, that you always give us a solution. And thank you, Father, that this problem of darkness, that, Father, you have given us Jesus Christ to be able to, to help us extinguish darkness in the different spheres that we find ourselves in. And, Father, for those that have, have called into your name, for those that, that have you but have, have never really stepped up, Father, I just pray that this morning we repent of just passiveness, we repent of, of, of us not, not occupying the role that we call to do, and Father, I pray that we, 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 we catch this revelation this morning that when we walk out of these doors, Father, that we are on passion, we are on fire for you. And Father, I pray for those this morning that, that actually don't call you Lord or don't call you Savior. Father, I pray you begin to do a work in their hearts, Father, so that they can have light in their hearts, they can have light in their minds, they can have light in their soul. Father, we give you all the glory this morning. Father, we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.